The recent attack at the Libyan embassy, which killed an American ambassador and three other Americans, and a similar attack at the U.S. embassy in Tunisia, underscored that the spread of weapons in a culture of violence can make for a lethal combination. Much media coverage of the region shows violent struggles over power and weapons. But there's another trend going on. Some North African youth want to fight the spread of weapons, not by force, but through education and cultural change. America Abroad's Joseph Browdy files this story of one young Tunisian working for peaceful change. A day of rage against the United States and the Muslim world as fury mounts over an American film that insults the Prophet Muhammad. In Tunisia, at least three people are killed after police opened fire near the U.S. Embassy. Outside Washington, U.S. President Barack Obama attended a somber ceremony as the bodies of Americans killed in Libya were returned home. Amid riots region-wide, on FM radio in Tunisia, a voice of reason. Allowing ourselves to be provoked into violent behavior is simply handing a victory to the provocateurs. Hazim Psori is referring to the anti-Islamic YouTube film that ignited passions across the Arab world. He's founder of the Free Tunisia Association, a non-profit that aims to stem the roots of war and terrorism by promoting a culture of non-violence. Even during the period of the Prophet Muhammad himself, peace and blessings be upon him, his opponents already were trying to incite against him. But the right response for us is to respond to this hatred of Islam and Islamophobia through alternative, peaceful, civil means, by relying on a culture of nonviolence, by publishing, by researching, by bringing together Arab and Islamic peoples to show the greatness of our Prophet. At a recent convention for nonprofit groups in Tunis, Hazim and his staff of seven volunteer 20-somethings worked the crowd, passing out business cards. They look like any other crew of savvy Arab youth activists, but their somber mission of combating weapons proliferation stands out somehow in the hall full of charity groups, job trainers, and women's empowerment initiatives. Hazim is different because Hazim is haunted. It's been a violent few weeks here, with scores of Tunisians believed to have been shot dead by the security forces. Mounting anger on the streets, and nobody knows what will happen next. Hazem is haunted by the death of his closest friends last year to the gunfire of an ex-dictator's police force. 219 protesters died before the fall of Tunisian ex-president Zain al-Abidin bin Ali in January 2011. 219 more than Hazem could bear. This event was very influential on my life, seeing our brothers fall so randomly, so immorally. And with the fall of the regime, we knew a different kind of danger was on its way, as weapons were proliferating, and it was necessary to struggle against this. Suri's fears bucked the trend of euphoria on Arab streets and around the world, which Americans remember from TV news coverage of the Arab Spring. Everybody around is so happy and uh, it's unbelievable. Now, it's sexy and cool to be an Arab revolutionary. What an intoxicating message for a part of the world where the majority is younger than 30. 
We are seeing something that moves us as Americans because I think Americans left, right and center believe in government of the people, by the people and for the people. And when we see people in any country around the world try to make that happen through peaceful means, we instinctively, instinctively side with them. Though it's a dream that Tunisia be free, it's a dream that Tunisia be democratic, the path to democracy is a long path. The fall of the regime on its own does not create the democracy that the youth of Tunisia want. But rather, it's our generation that has to struggle and continue struggling to build this democracy that's based on democratic principles. Qsouri founded his group within weeks of the Bin Ali regime's fall. Even as it was getting started, new regimes were falling, and the challenge of stemming violence in North Africa was growing. The weapons that... Uh People stole out of stockpiles in Libya during the chaos of the uprising and revolution there have found their way into a number of other countries. Michelle Dunn is director of the Atlantic Council's Rafiq Hariri Center for the Middle East. Tunisia and Egypt have been uh, extremely concerned. Those countries had their own revolutions, and the armed forces there turned their attention a little bit away from the borders and toward restoring order in the cities. And therefore, uh, it's been a major challenge to them to try to control their borders. In Egypt, as well as Tunisia, the months after the revolution saw a spike in violent crime and the formation of new armed Islamist groups, like the one in which this Tunisian mosque preacher is a member. Fighting, fighting. Oh, youth, oh, youth. Fighting in the path of God. Many Tunisians, especially those opposed to Islamism, began calling for a new security crackdown as the crime wave spiked, but not Hazim Qsouri. In 2007, I joined the legal profession. At that time, cases having to do with terrorism were coming to the court by the thousands. Looking at the files, it was a very dangerous matter. For example, someone who had been found to be praying in a certain place, he would be accused of serious charges that may involve spending 15 years in prison. And in a democratic framework, the accused is supposed to be assumed innocent until proven guilty in a just court. The Atlantic Council's Michelle Dunn. And I think that the lawyers who would undertake these defenses would face an extremely frustrating situation and would themselves be considered enemies of the government and therefore under pressure. Qsouri's unusual background insulated him from false nostalgia about Tunisia's dictatorial past. The freedom he has been calling for instead is one in which political and religious leaders restrain themselves from enabling violence, and Qsouri's organization convenes educational sessions to teach them how to do it. Our goal is to move people from the logic of hostility to the logic of rivalry, to try to help someone understand that his opposition is not an enemy, but rather a political rival. We convene workshops. 
Skori's all-volunteer organization is one of many post-Arab Spring nonprofits that are barely known outside their home countries because their staffers do not communicate in English. Their lack of funding is an obvious hindrance to their growth in that Hazim, for example, still works full-time as a defense attorney to provide for his family. I won't hide from you that we've tried to apply for financial support from the United States, but so far, not succeeded. Michelle Dunn of the Atlantic Council. The United States has offered very limited support so far uh, to the Arab countries that are in transition. Admittedly, it's a confusing political situation, a changing constellation of political players in countries like Tunisia, Egypt, Libya. Um, there are some limited programs to, you know, extend advice and assistance and so forth. But to be honest with you, I, I really don't think it's up to the magnitude of the challenge. Financial issues notwithstanding, Hazim Qsouri envisions his organization eventually growing into a kind of North African anti-armament lobby, as well as an educational base for political and social leaders across the region. Young people always aim high, to be sure, but it's a safe bet that this determined activist, who bucked conventional wisdom in starting his group, then braved a mob mentality in standing up for it, will press on. For America Abroad, I'm Joseph Browdy.